0: TFL is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Tennessee ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game you can get uh in-app panoramic seat photos from every section so you know hey this is where i'm sitting and this is where my view is so if there's a giant pole in front of you you will find that out before you hit purchase so you know you're not going to get into the stadium and be disappointed there's tickets across every major league every team Uh, whatever you want to go game time can take you there it's a simple quick app easy to navigate Two-tap checkout. That's always nice if you need to buy them in a hurry. And of course, there's sports tickets, but you can also get tickets to music, concerts, uh, theater, whatever you want to find, Game Time can take you there. So head to the app store, the play now store, or go download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. <laughs> again and welcome to this week's free episode of PFL. I am your host, David Ubbin, Joe Rexroad also with us. Uh, if you like the show, uh, rate us, subscribe us, give us a review on iTunes. It always helps. Uh, we've been, It's been a lot of doom and gloom this year, Joe. Uh, not much of that on this show. Uh, Tennessee gets not only a win, a emphatic win against a very competent South Carolina team, albeit a uh, wildly inconsistent team, but still a, a competent uh, South Carolina team that, that Tennessee thoroughly dominated. Uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway from what we what we saw on Saturday uh, in Knoxville?
1: Well, I think my biggest takeaway, David, is really what you wrote about. Um, you always take the best angles, David. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, I think you nailed it in that, you know, the, the – I mean, the, they say, you know, if you have two or three quarterbacks, you don't have any. But on a night when Tennessee looked like it might have zero quarterbacks, it turned out to have three. That is a line directly from your story that I'm stealing because I think that says it all. I mean, anything that they tried at that position was gold, and compare that to. Uh, a few weeks ago when it looked like they might just not have options you know the Garantano was just not working out and okay I guess you can go to the freshman but really what's that going to do for you and you know shroud's not ready and don't ever try wildcat with Jawan Jennings Um, it all works (laughs) it all works now Uh, but I mean honestly I just I think there's got to be and I wrote some about how you know Jeremy Pruitt you have to you have to look at this and how they've recovered it nothing's undoing the beginning of the year but you have to be impressed and give credit because of how they've responded and I think with Jim Chaney you have to look at this and say gee maybe the guy can work with QBs a little bit and you know figure out some stuff on the offensive side of the ball
0: yeah you know we, we've talked consistency is just Jeremy Pruitt talks about it uh I'm Obviously, fans talking about it. It's such. It's it, it's really everything, and we saw flashes last year. We saw, I don't know, brief moments. Uh, the first half, I guess, against BYU, we saw a little bit of it. But they have not consistently been able to string together quality football. And now you look up. Tennessee has put together three consecutive games that they can really be proud of. And and that is progress. That is coaching. We haven't seen the, you know, uh, just absolutely, you know, crazy mistakes. I mean, the play at the goal line last week is kind of whatever. I think Tennessee probably wins that game if Brian Maurer stays healthy. We talked about that last week. But still... That's a fluky play. Uh, and, and Tennessee, for the better part of that game, really did compete with Alabama. They were the better team against Mississippi State and proved it. They were, I would say, even in the first half with, with South Carolina and then dominated the second half 24-0. But that's three consecutive games that you can be proud of. And Tennessee, they couldn't put together two. Uh, games that they were proud of last year and now you look back big picture at this season you have I would say an average outing against Georgia Chattanooga kind of whatever you can throw that out I mean you can't really take much positive or negative away from that an above average outing against BYU with basically one disastrous play and you have really embarrassing sort of performances against Florida and Georgia State but you take that that's two bad performances you have three good ones uh, kind of middling game against Georgia, and then above average for BYU. That's not bad. The record doesn't really show it, obviously. The Georgia State game, you can't erase that. Uh, the BYU game, I mean, they let that one slip. So the record is not going to be uh, fantastic, but I think Tennessee – I think I saw a Tennessee fan tweet this last week. I thought it was funny. You know, was Tennessee the greatest 2-5 and five team in college football history – You know, now I'm wondering. (laughs) But, yeah, it it feels like progress. You can't – last year, you can't call Auburn or Kentucky progress. They were one game. They were flashes, and just as quickly as they happened, they undid the effects of those things. You go to get to 5-5, and and you have all the, you know, Jeremy Pruitt SEC Coach of the Year hype, and you fall on your face against pretty average Missouri and Vanderbilt teams. This, though, it feels different. It feels more like a trend because we've seen – Three games in a row, and we did not see that last year. What, 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 uh, what? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Was that a shot at my column saying that Jeremy Pruitt should be considered for SEC Coach of the Year? I'm, I'm no, taking it as a shot. No, <laughs> I was on
0: board. I think if you had held the voting after the Kentucky game. Uh I'd have to look at exactly who the candidates were, but I think when people said that, I didn't think it was crazy. I think a lot of people were were talking about it and I felt like yeah, I mean, we I saw the roster. I knew how bad that team really was last year and how limited they were, and to get them to five and five and beat two ranked teams was impressive. But like I said, they 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 sort of undid that and and I don't think anybody was talking about that 2 weeks later, but but at the time it was it was reasonable to me.
1: Yeah, and and you know, that's a good I mean, that's a good thing to keep in mind now, because it is like i I look at the last four, and I'm like, Where's the loss? You know, And it's like, well, you know take it easy. Missouri has been really bad two weeks in a row. I think Missouri and Kentucky both though, are better at home. I mean, Kentucky handled Missouri you know UAB is a good team at its level uh, but you know mm-hmm. then in Vanderbilt I mean look they should win the next four games I think and and that sounds crazy but it's also a, a good time to kind of remember that consistency is still something that we haven't seen like you said David three in a row that's encouraging but let's let's keep seeing it I do think that along with quarterback play I think you know the line is—I'd say both lines of scrimmage. I thought the offensive line could be good this year, and it—it's it, mm-hmm. it's really grown. And and you know you lose both your tackles at different points in that game yesterday. One of them returns, but you had some adversity there. That offensive line is really playing well. The defensive line, though, to me is the bigger surprise, and just the, I think some of it is just like a guy like Daniel Batuli making up for everyone at times and just flying everywhere, knowing exactly where you go, making plays. But still, the defensive front. Is much more solid than I would have guessed could be possible in September.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, that's interesting because offensive line, you know, props to Will Friend, but a lot of that I think is just personnel. They just have better players. Brandon Kennedy's healthy. Trey Smith is back and has been playing healthy. You add Darnell Wright, you add Wanye Morris. I mean, that's four totally different guys. Right guard, they're still a little bit, they've kind of moved some guys around, but they have their four out of five, and those guys are all high level players. And so, you know, and and Wright and Morris are getting better uh, day by day. Now, I will say the counter-argument to myself, which I just made, is you you had those guys step out last week uh, or last night. Uh, Morris and Wright sit out, and there was almost no drop-off. I think at some point, I, I forget the exact lineup, but they were playing, you know, Riley Locklear was back in there. They had Jameer Johnson in there. It was like Jameer Johnson, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, Riley Locklear, and then Marcus Tatum. I mean, that's basically your second team, and they still were, were getting the job done. They Run blocking has been a struggle still this year. They've had a couple games where they've done okay. You know, they had the one drive against Mississippi State, probably the first three and a half quarters against BYU, but largely they have struggled to run the ball. But pass blocking is night and day. Now, what I will say, defensively, you're right. I think that I would I would be willing to chalk that up to more coaching and development because, yes, you had a lot of inexperience there, but they didn't have like world beater recruits. The quality of player that they have is not anywhere close to the offense. The offensive line has three on it, I think. Defensive line, I think, has zero. And those guys are not getting beat up like they were against Georgia State. Progress, Darrell Middleton. Maybe he plays his way into into playing at the next level. But you know, there, there's not a lot of like big time talents there. But those guys are, and they are they're playing okay. But from where they started, the first three weeks, it's really been amazing to see and that considering the talent level i think you have to chalk that up to coaching and 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 what tracy rocker has done and then of course the play off the edge daryl taylor fantastic game kevon bennett coming on really really strong he had an unbelievable game yesterday he didn't have the same kind of numbers that daryl taylor has but uh, i finished my rewatch on on sunday and man he pops like the moves the motor i mean he's a guy that i really think can blossom into being a special special player
1: yeah, well, you and you mentioned Middleton. I mean, you know, so he goes out in the first half, you know, targeting which, again, like it was the right call. It is one of those where you're you you do wonder what what he could have done differently on the play, but still, I mean, it was the right call. Yeah, uh, textbook target. I mean, some, I
0: I'm, I I get yeah. it, like the the complaints, but it's just like you know for that to be the play that Jeremy Pruitt goes off on and gets a flag for, it's like I mean, I get the what are you supposed to do differently, but like. Those exact hits are why the rule is there, you
1: know. Yeah, I have a feeling. It, it felt to me like it was. I think Pruitt was fired up, at, and not just refs either, too. I mean, he was fired up, um, and I think yeah. he always is. But maybe there's still a little linger from you know from Alabama too, just like I know, would just say that's probably in general, right. ticked yeah. off. But you know, you lose him, you give up a TD on the first play of the game. I mean, you had some some situations in here where. You know, I don't know if the team reacts as well. Also, a few weeks ago, and so I think that's also uh, an encouraging sign for Tennessee that, you know, that they did bounce back from these things, some of the injuries. You know, the whole quarterback shuffle thing. It's just like plug in someone, they'll make plays. Um, so I mean, I think that is encouraging. And just you mentioned Taylor, some some individuals. You know, I mentioned Batulli earlier. I mean, Warrior made a mistake on the first play. I mean, I whatever there may have been confusion, that's still a 20-yard play if he just takes the right mm-hmm. angle and settles mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. makes a tackle. And he was fantastic the rest of the night. And those receivers, we've known all along, this is the best part of the team. Well, that's what you do. You use those guys. You put them to use. I mean, Jawan Jennings, we haven't talked about Jawan Jennings. was probably some sort of malpractice on our part here to be this far <laughs> into the podcast and not be talking about him because he's just, I mean, watching him play football is a joy because it's just, he, he is just a different level of intensity out there and a, a, an absolute talent. And then, you know, Callaway, I mean, you know, when Josh Palmer is your number three guy and he's making some of the plays he made, that yeah. is a, that is a, a very good receiving core in college football. Yeah,
0: Palmer is the guy who makes you feel like the sky is not going to fall as soon as Callaway and Jennings take their talents to the NFL. Uh, a right. good day for him, uh, you know. Juwan Jennings, uh, Tennessee's—I uh, believe he's now tied for the uh, best winning percentage among Tennessee starting quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, it's hard, an impressive showing for uh, for Juwan Jennings. Uh, he gets the W. Yes, he does. Uh, what do you do at QB moving forward? If you're Jim Cheney's shoes, or I guess, you know, Jeremy Pruitt pretty pretty explicitly, uh, I made the decision, uh, he says. And then was, I think I can't remember who asked him why, but he said, that's,
1: that's the way I wanted to do it. <laughs> but what do you do at QB moving forward? I think you're with Mauer. Um, I think, uh, you know, look, good for Jarrett Garantano and good for Tennessee, I'm very disappointed we didn't get Juwan Jennings last night. Uh, I I think when you have a performance that special and it's a win, I I really don't like that at all. So this is my podcast complaint, um, (laughs) you know, about Tennessee media decisions, but I was glad to see they brought Garantano out and Mm -hmm. he, uh, you know he, he was great. I mean, he, he he was able to make some jokes about how things have been going smooth and awesome, and you know <laughs> that, was and best, just, that was one of the best. That was one of the best moments of the whole season. That that I, was you that just was don't great. see
0: that so much. I think that's the sort of a guy who's comfortable in his own skin. I think it, uh, knowing, yeah, yeah. He screwed up last week, but like he's you know you see so many kids that are sort of scared and like playing the company line. That that's not a scene you would have seen last season. I, I enjoyed it. It was a good flash I, of personality.
1: Totally agree. And and you know what that. Demeanor was reflected in he, he how he played. He came out and I I felt like, and it probably has something to do with getting benched and now getting ripped and all this stuff. I, I feel like he was just like, the heck with it. Just let's just go play football. And he seems so does much have more at this point. Yeah. yeah, he seemed so much more relaxed, and he was just out there making plays. So you could look at that and say, mm, you could be tempted. You know, maybe maybe he is kinda he's kind of, you know, gotten over the hump and that's the way you go. But I think I'd go with Maurer. Uh, if he's healthy, he brings a spark, I, I don't think I don't think that there's any there's any reason he would have lost what he earned. And I'd go with him while feeling good about having to go to Garantano if needed. Yeah, you know, I
0: asked uh, the person I was sitting next to at the game last night uh, after Garantano threw – I I can't remember which touchdown it was. How many more touchdowns does he need to throw tonight before we have a conversation about Mm -hmm. what his role on the team is moving forward? I think it was a few more. Uh, Obviously, he was hurt on that play. Had surgery uh, reportedly on Sunday for a broken bone in his uh, left non-throwing hand um, but yeah I, I think certainly you're at a situation now where his status is sort of unknown I think Pruitt was probably pulling Bob Kessling's leg but we're you know the wording is confusing we'll find out a little bit more on Monday afternoon about exactly what his deal is because uh, if you asked Jerry Pruitt which I did after the game how's Garantano he said oh he's fine Well, or he had surgery on, on Sunday it's like okay <laughs> whatever but, like, well, yeah. um, you know, I, 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 Shrout promising, but I think the 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 looming error for him is there. But the question is still the Maurer health thing. You know, people can say, oh, well, he didn't play last week. It's two weeks. I mean, two uh, issues of brain trauma in consecutive weeks, you know, just sitting out one game. You know, maybe that's enough. Maybe it's not. Uh, it did not sound like he was very close this week to practice or to playing. He didn't really practice the entire week from what I understand. Um, he took you know he was out there on Tuesday, but kind of just throwing it on air. and if you read my story last week at the athletic on concussions and the risks of trying to play a guy, you know, right after coming off of two concussions. Uh, that's not that him being out there at practice and getting some light cardio work is not really indicative of where he is in his recovery. It's not like a step thing; they can do that immediately. While guys are still symptomatic, I think that's important to note. And it's tough because uh, you know we're not doctors, and we don't we don't have access to Chris Klink, the the team uh, doctor. They rarely make him available for interviews. It's hard to know exactly what's going on with guys. And Pruitt's sort of passed on. You know, he doesn't make these decisions; he passes them to the doctor, and he. You know, every time he gets asked about it, he's just, well, we're leaving it up to the doctors. So, you know, if he gets cleared, what does that mean? Um, Because in the same breath, you know, those same neurologists I talked to last week talked about, you know, it's tough to deal with concussions because you can be totally asymptomatic, totally clear, nothing there, and there can still be injury there. And so does him not playing another week against UAB. I have a hard time believing that that is a bad thing. I think this is a, the perfect week for them to play UAB and maybe roll with Shrout. Uh, I think big picture, Maurer is still the guy. We'll see what Garantano's health is. I think there's an interesting question about what Garantano does. Is, is he a little bit better coming off of the bench? Is that a thing? Um, we'll see. But yeah, I, I think I generally agree with you. But I think, um, you know, Tennessee is going to be under the microscope again with how they handle this head injury. And and I, you know, people can say, well, he sat out a week. You know, people uh, that are, you know, fighting this war on football. I hope you're happy now. You know, he. Well, we'll see. I mean, these are very serious things that can affect you for decades upon decades. And, and you know, I don't think you can say, oh, he's being rushed back or say anything like that. But I don't think that the worst thing for Brian Mauer is taking another week off and and having more time to
1: heal. Oh no, to- totally agree with you, David. And yeah, I mean, I guess my scenario was health provided but uh yeah yeah, it's tough it's tough to exactly know
0: what that is or or what you know it's hard for me to imagine that he's after not being close to playing on saturday he's full go and practice on monday afternoon we'll see but it's he was in he was in nashville on uh wednesday seeing a specialist that doesn't strike me as a real encouraging sign for his long-term prospects but again we get so little information about exactly what's going on there it's tough to tell
1: do you think it's possible this could be Shrout as the only active of the three then against UAB?
0: You're really shorting Juwan Jennings here. That's your starting quarterback.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I apologize. You no, know, I
0: think I think you, if I, you know, honestly, right now, if I was guessing, I think you're gonna see just Shrout and you'll mix in some Jennings in the Wildcat. If I was guessing, still got a bunch of practice, you still have a lot of healing to do. We'll see what happens. But I don't know that it's the smartest thing to you know, not give Maurer another week off. Again, we don't know that much about his health. It's tough. The head injury stuff is always, you know, not only is that tough to tell exactly what's going on, but also even the doctors. I mean, that's the one thing I learned too last week talking to those neurologists is this whole thing is really inexact science. They just don't know. The treatment changes a lot. Uh, you, you know, the doctors are trying to do the best that they can, but these things are really hard to treat and really hard to know exactly what's going on uh, inside the brain. And so, again, it's like I said, if this is, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger game and he's cleared by the doctors to play. You know, I think that's uh, a different conversation, I guess. And I don't think you can say he's being rushed back. But if you can give him another week off and probably win, I think the one thing that they do, the doctors do agree with, is the the quicker you come back, the lower your threshold is, to have more symptoms reappear. It might not be a quote-unquote second, or I guess in this case, if they would say a third concussion, but it can be more symptoms of brain trauma. And that is obviously something you would like to avoid.
1: Yeah, and to your point earlier, you know, the, the, you know, trying to destroy football. Oh, you know, everyone saw fake news, whatever. I mean, it's, <laughs> please, please, with that, and try to imagine being, you know, the parents of Brian Maurer in this situation too. I mean, this this is about long term health, and there is a lot that's unknown still. And but what we do know, there are a lot of people who can whose stories have been told and can be told whose. Um, you know, lives whose brains have been ruined, um, you know, it, 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 from a different time. But, yeah, I agree that uh, because being cleared is one thing um, and maybe it's like, you know, Mauer cleared and maybe like available in case of emergency or something like that. But why not give him more rest if you can? It's still, yeah. there's still, there's just so so much more that, just isn't known about this stuff right now
0: yeah i mean i think you know people can talk about a war on football go read ty dunn's story at bleach report on jamal lewis from last year yeah these are the kind of things you're talking about and it's not like oh you know people are stirring up trouble it's just like no he's like a 19 year old kid he wants to go i'm sure he would have loved to play yesterday you always do no one that plays football is thinking about uh well, what's it gonna happen when I'm 45 when I'm 50 years old? But we've seen enough stories at this point that you have to err on the side of caution. You just do. It's what's best for, for everyone involved. No one wants to see, you know, guys that are you know having to have full-time care, you know, what as a 50-year-old person. Nobody wants to see that. And and when you start messing around with brain injuries, you know, it's sort of a different conversation between the concussions and CTE and those kind of things. They're two very different things. But just nobody wants to mess with that. Uh, So we'll see how they handle that. Now, on the flip side, uh, you know, as we sort of close the quarterback conversation, Jim Chaney has got to have props. Uh, Not only for the game plan, I thought it was interesting. uh, Last night, South Carolina... Uh, their, uh, JC Horn, or their defensive back or their defensive backs is basically their offensive coordinator, which would be Jim Chaney did a good job of running some of our coverage beaters. They just had a good plan. They were calling the perfect calls. So it wasn't that the receivers were doing that much or that they were playing poorly So they didn't think we played that bad. They just were running a lot of coverage beaters, hitting us across the middle of the field. When they had no middle safety. And, uh, that's impressive. That's seeing, um, vulnerability and taking advantage of it so props to jim cheney not only for the game plan for the play calls which did seem to be the perfect call at the right time but having all three of those guys uh ready juan jennings played his role jt shroud 10 career passes comes out and and uh you know that ball that he threw to jane i mean we saw the nfl arm that's an nfl arm uh i see an nfl quarterback time will tell but that's a huge arm we've heard so much about his arm talent We've seen very, very little of it because we don't get to see practice. And then, of course, he hadn't played very much. Um, but that, uh, you, you sort of saw that on display. He makes it look pretty easy. Um, but then, of course, Garantano, that looked a lot like the guy that we saw in 2018. I still think his ceiling is higher than Maurer, but certainly we've seen uh, his floor at times this year. Um, but but props to him. A uh, that like I wrote last night, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of game that makes everybody okay with paying an O.C. 1.5
1: million dollars. <laughs> So, Georgia fans, what say you now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good That's a, question. That's a very good question, especially considering the uh, hand wringing over mm-hmm. that uh, offense in, in Athens.
1: Not that I would expect a single Georgia fan in the world to say, we, we need him back. We were wrong. Of course they would Or to be that.
0: listening to this show. I hope not for their sake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think we should share this on some Georgia fan Facebook pages and whatnot and see if we can get – Get people riled up, but I mean, there was a lot of uh, you know, a lot of cackling from you know from Athens toward Knoxville, um, you know, in the early going of this season. And look, you, you know, it's like you said, that's a big that's a big number. And the OC, whenever anything, you know, there maybe just one thing that's malfunctioning that ruins an entire offense or whatever it is, the OC is going to get blamed. And so, you know, if you're an OC at a certain place long enough, you will eventually you know be you know, Mm -hmm. disliked by like three quarters of the fans, Um, unless you're at a place that just has better players than everyone all the time. But uh, yeah, I agree. Jim Chaney has done a good job. He did a really good job. I love, I love even just, you know, they had the right call. Like you said, you know, when you see the look you want to see, you go for it. it. Just, just the idea of taking shots in general, I just think is, there's value in that and especially when you have this kind of personnel and of course when you hit on a bunch of them and it really looks good.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. I think uh, you know people wanted to see in Georgia you know let Jim Cheney go bring aboard uh, you know James Coley get that going I think you're right it's a, a different conversation in Georgia another you know uh, group that needs props you know earlier in the season, especially after Florida, you know, we're talking about, you have Jeremy Pruitt, you have Derek Ansley, your head coach, your defensive coordinator, both specialize in coaching defensive backs, and the defensive backs are struggling. Well, <laughs> it was a lot different uh, last night, a whole lot different. Uh, the first half, you know, it looked like Tennessee was about to get into a, a, sh- a shootout. Uh, you know, 12 of 15 for 164 and a touchdown. Holinsky, a really nice start. Second half, 16 of 36, 155, no touchdowns. Guys were covered. You know, he did not have a good day. He was all over the place. Um, accuracy really struggled there. But, you know balls are tougher to be accurate when you have small windows uh, and Tennessee did not have those guys running free. It wasn't like they had guys running free and Helensky was just missing them. He was making some tough throws and not hitting them. Uh, but, but Tennessee, you, there were so many times where they'd be draped all over him and Alinsky's, you know, throwing it, you know, two or three yards the, uh, in, the in the dirt or, or outside and, uh, so props to those guys. They they covered a pretty good group of South Carolina receivers. I mean, Shai Smith and Brian Edwards are really talented, uh, and Tennessee made them look uh, pretty mortal. I mean, a second half shutout. Uh, they really flipped. Uh, you know, the second half issues, which were were so problematic the first uh, you know six seven games of the year.
1: They did, and I, I still will go back. You know, when you affect a quarterback, it's amazing how you know your back end looks better sometimes. And some of it was that, but. I agree. It wasn't like guys were running free all over the place. You know, Brian Edwards had one of the best probably catches I've seen live in that game. Yeah. And you know, it, but even that was pretty good coverage. Now you've done the rewatch. I spent Sunday watching the Tennessee Titans and Tampa Bay Bucks slog through a game at Nissan <laughs> Stadium. But I thought live, I, I really thought Sean Schamburger really um, did some good things. I, I I liked a lot of what I saw from him just you know live in the press box.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a nice day. That one uh, third down stop you had, particularly a huge play. So, Joe, we got to go through it. Uh, Tennessee now three and five, at sitting at sitting at uh, zero two, sitting at one and four with a win over an FCS team. The bowl game felt uh, not impossible, but not very likely. Around, I think Bill Connolly the. Um, analytics guru i think tennessee after the first two weeks of the season i think tennessee came into the season with a 71 percent uh probability to make a bowl game after the byu game it was down to eight percent i have not seen his updated numbers but let's go through the schedule tennessee sitting at three and five uab next week uh i believe that's homecoming uh at kentucky on november 9th they're off for an idle week Get two weeks to prepare for a trip to Mizzou, and then they host Vanderbilt, who have been world beaters against Tennessee. Percent chance
1: that Tennessee is bowling this season? Oh, you're going to throw me the percent chance question? <laughs> um, okay, well I'm going to say I'm going to say seventy-two percent.
0: Oh, are you are you looking at my notes right now I think
1: did you seriously them. have 72
0: written down I did not have 72 but I did say it I was gonna say it feels like they're back up to that 70% range because my thing is look at okay so Tennessee's got to take care of business in those games all, all four of those are more than winnable games Tennessee will be favored uh, against UAB Uh At Kentucky, will be close. They might be like a two. That's a toss-up game regardless. I think Tennessee, if they play well, they win that game. They have the better roster than Kentucky. They beat the heck out of a much better Kentucky team last year, and they were a much worse Tennessee team than they were last year. They go to Mizzou. I think they'll probably be, what, a touchdown underdog. Mizzou looks like world beaters at home. They go on the road. They lose to Vandy. They lose to Wyoming. They lose handily in a uh, monsoon to Kentucky. But they, they're they're sort of the Jekyll and Hyde home and away team, and Tennessee has the misfortune of playing them at home uh, in Columbia. And then they close Vanderbilt. They should be double-digit maybe favorites in that game. We'll see how Vanderbilt plays. A lot can change in a month. So you look at that, I mean, Tennessee, you basically have UAB, which I don't think they should struggle with. Um, this is me knocking on wood while I watch the uh, Georgia State uh, Georgia State game on the screen. Uh, but I-, I would lean probably 70%. It's hard for me to think they can't grab two out of three uh, against Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt like they need to. But the flip side of that is Tennessee's only got on the road twice this year they played really well against Alabama they played really poorly against Florida what do you get out of this team this is still a young team everybody kind of Tennessee played a little bit better on the road last year than they did at home I would say probably in the 70s but you know this is still a team you know we it's a young program. I don't think Jerry Pruitt would say that his foundation is established, his core is there, or that his his culture has sort of taken over. We've seen this the longest stretch of good football, but three games is not seven games, and doing it for three games in a row is a lot easier than doing it for seven games in a row. And to get to a bowl game, Tennessee's going to have to do it for six or seven games. They're going to have to play well because if they don't play well, I mean, UAB can put a scare into them if they play poorly. You play poorly against Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, you're losing those games. You just are. So I'm really curious to see. This is going to be interesting. So I'd say about 70%. I think I'm with you on that. Uh, Any game particularly that that is most
1: intriguing to you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think like Missouri and Vanderbilt are two teams that I'm like, okay, what I thought a couple weeks ago is not maybe what I think now. You know, of course, I watched Vanderbilt beat Missouri. Then Missouri just gets thumped at Kentucky. I hear what you're saying about Missouri, you know, being a much better home team. Of course they are. I don't know about Missouri being a touchdown favorite in that game though. Um I'm not sure about that. But I'm I'm bad at predicting lines, but I kind of look You do at, have
0: a month before that game, so we'll see. A lot can change. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I you know, I I uh I I I guess I think the Missouri game is the one that I'm really intrigued by in part because it is hard to know what's going on with Missouri and i think i honestly i think i that's the most losable game still um i still think it's a little bit more of a toss up than than seven than a 7 point spread but i do think that the kentucky game seems like a total toss up the missouri game you would still give them a bit of an edge but that's that's a game that and then you think back i know it's totally different teams and certainly you know quarterback and all that but you think back to What we thought when Tennessee was five and five, and then that Missouri game, and you're just like, whoa, what was that? And then the same thing with the Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. game. So it's a little bit of a chance to kind of atone for that stuff, too. But that of the four is the one that I am really, and of course, Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, three straight blowout losses, you know, that has got to factor into this. I think the Vols have downplayed the rivalry aspect of that and look I mean big picture Tennessee it hasn't been much of a rivalry with Vanderbilt over the decades and decades and decades previous you know but I think at some point you got to get ticked off about what's going on in your state it's still an SEC team in your own state that's thumped you three years in a row you know does that become more of a factor at some point I think and I think like if I'm Jeremy Pruitt I think I'd like it to become more of a factor Mm mm-hmm yeah
0: and I you know I I uh I'll throw this out there as well. I've said it multiple times this year. I think you've probably said it or thought it. When you lose to Georgia State, when you lose to BYU, I, I did not think this was a salvageable season. But what does this year look like if Tennessee closes the year at six and one and and heads into a bowl game at seven and five? Because that that would not surprise anyone. They're gonna be they're gonna have the better roster, I think in. Three of these four games, Missouri, debatable. We'll see, but they can win all four of these games. Now that that is a that is the it, it's odd because I think considering they lose to Georgia State and BYU, even with that, is that for Jeremy Pruitt for for trying to sell the future of his program, is that the best possible version of seven and five that Tennessee could possibly put together? Where you close in that manner?
1: Yeah, I, I think you could argue that. You know, now it came <laughs> painfully. Still, yes. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, but but I mean, I guess if you want to look big picture, because you had to deal with all of all that came with the start, maybe yeah. that does make you stronger. I, I mean, I felt from some of the things Jeremy Pruitt said Saturday night at his press conference, that it kind of felt that way that he was kind of saying that you know that maybe some of that stuff strengthens you a, a little bit. I also think if they get to seven and five, there's also going to be a lot of man. Just imagine if those two games are different and yeah, this team's nine and three. And what, then what bowl game? Where is this team right now? If that, you know, but but still, Do they have a I chance think, to to get into the East mix. I know now that's an interesting know? question. Yeah, but if they'd won those, if they uh,
0: if they had uh, taken care of business a little bit better in those uh, those early games, but yeah.
1: Well but 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 uh, still ultimately it would be a pretty good feeling and, and yeah, vastly definitely.
0: different. Mm-hmm. Now I, I uh Joe, you as we close, uh we like to talk a little bit of food before we before we get out of here. Uh I'll I'll give you the floor because this is not a this is not a Joe food take that I was expecting coming into today.
1: Yeah, you just never know what you're gonna run into. Um <laughs> you know my So my wife and I went to Black Rabbit, uh, this cool place downtown in Printer's Alley, and you know it's like really cool. uh, The Willies, really cool, kind of big band, kind of swing band, little jazz, really fun. But uh, they let you you in there. I I know, and I didn't even have like a top (laughs) hat or anything. Uh, (laughs) They put us in the like the corner, Uh, but uh, really good food. You know, you know, kind of like a small plates. Got some. uh, some gnocchi, some uh, some ta- some potato tacos were good. I'm got looking at the things- menu right now. I got
0: to say, I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of things that were good, but the thing that was and actually boiled peanuts, by the way, uh, I've never had those before. That's pretty good. But the thing that just blew us away, and it was my wife and I actually a friend a friend of ours who was in from out of town. Um, sourdough bread, okay. They have this sourdough bread that I mean, I, I it's hard to explain. It has like this crusted salt on the on the outside. And, and then this vegetable butter. And I, I actually, had, I tweeted Friday night. I said, you know, the sourdough bread at black rabbits, most addictive substance in Nashville. Um, <laughs> like I was that, you know, I had, Oh, I got a tweet about this, you know, so important to tweet about this, <laughs> but no, it was uh like, we had to get another order. We're like, we just have to get more of that. And It was. I don't know. I'd love to know what exactly they do. I've never thought before about like you know sourdough bread being some great thing, kind of like you last week. I what you know the the pancakes. I guess I've kind of thought pancakes are pancakes. You said no, and I'm now saying that all sourdough bread is not all sourdough bread. So that's uh, yeah. So if you're out, I would have been team sourdough.
0: now I'm not a bread guy. Like I don't get fired up about bread. Like my father-in-law has to have bread at every single meal. I'm not like a bread guy. I, I enjoy it, but I don't get that excited about it. I've never had the desire to create my own bread from 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 scratch. I don't have a collection of yeasts in my uh, pantry. <laughs> but uh, the next time I'm in Nashville, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check this out. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Well, I'll be there soon for a uh, for an undisclosed project, but. Uh, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, well, that will do it for this week's episode of PFL. Again, rate us, uh, review, subscribe on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast purveyor you choose. Uh, a sunnier episode than we are used to recording, but uh, an interesting week. Uh, we will see. This season is uh, one of the more interesting football seasons that I have covered, and Tennessee is a one of the more interesting teams that I've covered. They... Uh, they, 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 you're never quite sure what you're gonna get uh, I did not foresee a 351 yard passing performance I believe the over under on Saturday's game was 47 points I think and Tennessee scores 41 um, that was a new one for me an interesting game Tennessee full of surprises and Tennessee fans I'm sure hoping that uh, there's more South Carolina surprises left and fewer Georgia State surprises so uh That will do it. For my host, Joe Rexroad, I am David Oven. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys again next week.